Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Nordstrom Rack. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, boxing champion and CEO of Layla Ali Lifestyle, Layla Ali talks to me about making history and having no regrets. From a very young age, Layla marched to the beat of her own drum. When she decided to follow in her famous father's footsteps, Layla knew he wouldn't approve of her entering the ring, but she trusted her gut. Today, as an undefeated boxing world champion, Layla's success demonstrates the importance of always trusting your intuition in the face of opposition. They just kept calling me. So I decided to go to a boxing gym. I said, let me see if I have it because this is gonna be a pretty big deal. Muhammad Ali's daughter starts fighting and there would be a lot of pressure on me, a lot of people against it I already knew. So I have to be confident, I have to be sure. And the only way I can do that is if I go and see if I got it or not. Hi, Layla, welcome to the pod. Hi, thank you. <laughs> I love, uh, you guys didn't hear this, but the first thing she said when she saw me was, how are you doing? And just how's your heart, basically? And I just thought that was really sweet and really nice. And we're both in a good heart space. So this is going to be a great conversation. I, You know, we haven't met in person, but you have been such an inspiration to me uh, for just so long. And it's because... For me, you are not only a champion, but you are, um, you have such a full life. And for me, uh, you know, being a, a woman and a young girl at a time that wanted to chase her dreams, I always knew that I wanted to have a life outside of just performing. I, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how I was going to get it, but I knew that I wanted it. And so... I'm really excited to to tell you face to face that like, not only did you inspire me to you know, achieve my dreams and go after everything I want, but to also remember to live in the midst of it all. And your life is such an inspiration to me. I love watching you and your family, especially. And I'm so excited to talk about everything. Well, good. I'm excited to share with you also. And I'm happy that I've been able to inspire you because I think that's what that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. All right. So Layla, let's start from the beginning. Talk to me about home. What would you say Southern California gave you? So I I was born in Miami Beach, Florida, 
My dad mm-hmm. was there training for a fight and my mom had me there and I was probably there for about 30 days. So I never lived there. We moved to California. Um, and that's pretty much where I was raised. I live in Georgia now. Um, yeah, I was in California up until 2021 mm-hmm. and California was just home in terms of, you know, what I miss now about California, obviously is the weather and the coast, being able to drive mm-hmm. down the coast, you know, and just having, you know, now that I'm into gardening and, you know, just being able to plant certain things all year, all year long, you know, you'd have to think about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where a lot of my family is. Um, so it, California was always a really warm place for me. Talk to me about your mom, Layla. What is, when you think about your mom, what is a lesson that still stays with you that she imparted upon you, especially now that you're a mother? My mom is a very graceful woman, um, beautiful, gorgeous. Um, and, you know, she probably, if she could parent again, she probably would do it totally different. You know, mm-hmm. she probably has a lot of regrets um, in, in the way that she went about raising us. Um, and that's my words, not hers. Mm-hmm. But just from from knowing my mother, that's what I would think. So for me, you know, I've learned, I mentioned grace. I've learned mm-hmm. a lot about, um, you know, how to carry myself, how to com- communicate with others, regardless of how they treat you. I mean, my mom was in the spotlight, a really young girl. I mean, she married my father when she was 19 years old. I mean, wow. mom, Mary Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all wow. time. and <laughs> a baby okay Mm. so he swept her off her feet she didn't know anything you know Mm. and you know she had I had nannies growing up she had a staff you know um then when my parents divorced she got remarried and I would say that now I mean looking back she probably definitely would have a lot of um regrets so for me what I've learned from my mom is just um how to be myself but still be there for my children um, and put mm-hmm. how to put my children first. I probably overcompensate a little bit because of my childhood, yeah. you know, and I'm one of those people who doesn't want to have regrets. You know, mm-hmm. we're all going to have some, or we're going to be like, okay, we learned from the situation. We're going to do things differently, but I'm talking about those big life regrets. Right. Yeah. Um, and one of them I don't want to be is how I went about raising my children. Cause to me, that's one of the most important um, roles that we play. Um, as human beings, is mm-hmm. bringing other life in, into this world and, and raising our children. So I am um, one of the people who make a lot of sacrifices and put it all on the line for the, for my children. But mm-hmm. um, one thing I, I know about my mom is, is that regardless of any of the regrets that she may have had, she still has a big heart. She has, mm-hmm. has a kind heart and she's constantly open to learn and grow and become better than she was yesterday. And that's really what's amazing about her. Wow. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. 
One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Did your, or do you remember the point in your relationship with your mom? I know that growing up, especially when you were like a teenager, it was a little angsty. There was a lot going on. But was there a point maybe even when you got older where you and your mom kind of had this conversation as two adults? And if so, what did it look like? Um, You know, we've definitely had conversations, but I would never have my mom um, talk about things that she's not ready to talk about, mm-hmm. you know? So you kind of, the same way you do an interview, you kind of put things out there, see where it leads, right? Yeah. Um, with you, you, have, you know certain information. Um, and then that allows the person to give what they want to give. Because when it, you know, when it's a situation where someone might have regrets or have things that they're ashamed of or whatever the case is, you have to, you have to handle that in a, in a certain way. But I know that my mom is very proud of the woman that I grew in to be. Mm. And she's very happy that um, regardless of any mistakes that she might've made, that God had his hand on me, on us, and that everything turns out as it's supposed to. So when we, when you really have that belief as your faith and your foundation, um, you know, it, it puts a little ease on things. This episode is brought to you by Nordstrom Rack. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, host of Trials to Triumphs and proud Howard University alum. I am so excited to share with you the impact that Howard University had on my life and hope you recognize the beauty and the power of the HBCU experience. Being an HBCU alumni has benefited me in literally every way. It doesn't matter where I go, it doesn't matter what I want to do. There's always somebody from the HBCU community that's going to be there to help me. Um, you know, even with my podcast, I have HBCU community within the team that is working on my podcast and that is helping make it happen. So uh, I always feel like I'm covered, I'm protected, I'm supported. And most importantly, I always feel like I'm seen, you know, um, a, a phrase that is talked a lot about in the HBC community is Sankofa. We're always reaching back. And I definitely feel that in every aspect of my life and my career. Homecoming season is upon us. And if you've attended an HBCU, you know it's a time to celebrate and look your best. Visit your local Nordstrom Rack store or shop online at NordstromRack.com. Download the Nordstrom Rack app for even easier shopping too. Huge thanks to Nordstrom Rack for supporting the show and celebrating HBCU homecoming with us. Back to our conversation. Talk to me about your dad. What would you say is one of like the biggest lessons your dad imparted upon you? Oh, there's so much um, that I can say. Um, but I think that my father at his core just loved people. And he was a kind person. And regardless of how famous he was, global icon, everywhere we went, I mean, you know, people bowing down. And it's not, mm-hmm. not because of a song that he made or a role that he played, because of how they helped him um, feel about themselves or him, him standing for others when they, when they didn't have a voice for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and just what he represented, um, who he was as a man. Um, you know, but he never, ever felt like he was better than anybody else. He never, um, you know, compromised his values or his principles. 
Um, he never stepped on anyone to get ahead. You know, he just was all around just a very authentic human being. Um, and so he has always been, you know, kind of the standard for me of where, you know, we should be, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. in terms of that authenticity. And so many people put him on a pedestal for things that they, a lot of times that they just can't find within themselves. But I feel like mm -hmm. kind of should be standard, you know, you would think. Yeah. Because for me, it, for, for me, it was. It's like, oh, yeah, you should stand up for what you believe in. Oh, yeah, you should do right from wrong. Oh, yeah, you should be a good person. You know, you should. <laughs> but a lot of times we don't for whatever reason. So, yeah. um, you know, he's just a he was a really special, special person. And, you know, we had to suffer in terms of not having a father in home all the time. But that's mm -hmm. the case when you're out free and hostages. Mm. And you're, you're, you know, you're, you're guiding the world and doing all these things. You're going to miss dinner. You're going to miss graduation. You're going to miss certain things. So yeah. that's not something that I ever felt like I had to suffer. Um, until like you mentioned, when you grow up and you look back, you're like, wow, you know, but I don't ever, you know, I, he was such a gift to the world yeah. that, um, you know, it, it, I just feel, I feel good about, um, the entire situation when I look back at it. And just having him as a father and the experience that I had with him and, you know, how he's so loved and the reason why he's so loved and just having that same DNA mm -hmm. is very, you know, mm -hmm. gives me a lot of pride. Yeah. You know, you had to share your dad with the world. Like, that's a very unique experience. And although in some ways there were things that just due to that, you're going to kind of miss out on maybe, like you said, the purpose and the lasting legacy is so much bigger. And that's something that with age, you can continue to grow and appreciate and have so much, you know, uh, I guess just gratefulness for. You know, I have siblings and I'm sure that everybody probably would say something similar, but everyone has a different situation, you know, depending on their relationship with dad. So I wasn't super close to my dad. Most people would think um, that I was daddy's girl. And I say that in a way, of course, he's my dad, but I'm saying I wasn't daddy's girl. That's what I mean when I say I was a super mm -hmm. close. My sister, Hannah, was daddy's girl. Um, people would think because I'm the boxer that I was, um, but I was more of a mama's girl growing up. Mm. So I was never like, oh, you know, I miss daddy. Where's daddy? Because that was the only life I knew. I was used to um, him not always being there. So I think it's harder mm. when, you know, you have it and it's taken away. That would be something different. Um, so I think that, Everybody, all of us have probably had a different experience. Yeah, well, that was actually my next question. Growing up with so many siblings, like, was there sibling rivalry? Was it like a fun party all the time? Like, what was the <laughs> vibe? I, Because, you know, I have a much different experience. I have one older sister and we are nine years apart. So there was like a small amount of time that we were even in the house at the same time. So I cannot imagine having all of these siblings. Like, so tell me, what did it feel like growing up with, with all of these siblings? And then how would you describe kind of where you fell? Not only in like... uh position necessarily, but just in like personality with your siblings? So I have one full sister who I actually lived with and the rest were step. So we weren't all in the ho same home together. I'm the youngest. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest girl. So I have one brother who came after me. He's adopted, but I'm the youngest. Um, I was the youngest for a long time. Right. Um, and 
they would come in town for summers and come visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they're, they're, I was so young, but there probably was a little bit of uh, sibling, sibling animosity and all that because, you know, daddy left and got remarried and this is his new family. You know how kids are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was some of that. I wasn't really, I wasn't really focused on that, but I was always kind of really shy, but at the same time, a little bit of, um, you know, a little feisty. And I was always the one <laughs> that, like I said, uh, I wasn't necessarily daddy's girl. I was the one that was kind of more, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to follow those rules. Mm-hmm. I'm very good at listening to my intuition. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, I'd rather be wrong because I made the choice, not because I did something I didn't feel good about doing, but I did it anyway. Um, those are the times that I've regretted. Um, you know, I said, we all have certain regrets where I didn't yeah. listen to myself. Um, mm. And I think that's really important. And I'm blessed to have had that, um, you know, that gift at a very young age. And, you know, with a lot of what I went through um, in my life, sometimes my energy was directed in the wrong place um, in terms mm. of just being this little rebel, you know, that I became um, because of some of the anger that I had inside. But I always did do what I felt was right. My intentions were always good, mm. you know. Do you have an example um, that you can share with us of a time when you didn't follow your intuition and you and you knew you should have, but you didn't? And um, maybe how on the other side of that, you, you know, said, Layla, OK, we have to start listening to ourselves. My first marriage. Mm, that's <laughs> I'm in my second marriage. So my first marriage, I remember. um feeling, well, I was pressured kind of like, let's get married, let's get married. And I'm like, well, why? Like, what's the rush? You know, what's the rush? Like, if it's right, it's going to be there. And he was older than me. And he was like, I'm getting, I'm older, you know, I'm not, you know, it was kind of that thing. We're going to get married, you know, but I'm like, my young mind was thinking at the time, well, he's a boxer. I'm a boxer. Well, he knows because, because, you know, he knew a lot more than me and he knew that what I wanted to know, and he was helping me, um, you know, become a boxer and kind of being a mentor to me in boxing. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, well, it must be right. (laughs) You know, but Mm -hmm. my intuition was telling me this is too soon. You know, what's the rush? It doesn't feel right. It's like, usually as a woman, you want to get married. You're like, Mm -hmm. sweep me on my feet. I want to get married. You don't feel like like you're kind of like being told, you know, no, we let's just do it. I mean, we're dating, we're together, you know, and I'm thinking, well, what's the rush? It just felt very pushy, felt very pushy. Mm-hmm. But I talked myself into it at the time thinking, no, I'm, I, I'm like a smart girl, you know, I think mm-hmm. things through and it made sense to me, you know? So there was that other voice that was there also. And sometimes it's challenging to listen to your own intuition when you're reasoning and you're thinking things through in your mind you know, I've thought of all these answers, okay, of no, this is why this works, right? Um, this is why this is perfect. But that feeling inside wasn't right, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. where sometimes I think we can talk ourselves into things in our mind and not listen to our intuition. Um, and really, you know, at the end of the day, and it's crazy because we talk, I, I mentioned regrets a few times, you know, mm-hmm. in our conversation already, but I don't regret getting married, though. I don't regret mm-hmm. getting married, even though it was crazy. I went through a crazy experience, but I also was able to box and focus on just my boxing because that 
in the relationship, he was my manager. He was my promoter. He, he helped me guide me through in a world that's a men's boxing world that um, I probably wouldn't have been able to navigate the way that I did and really just focus on boxing. So I think that, you know, one thing if I would do differently, I would say I probably would have got out of sooner, got out of it sooner, Mm -hmm. but I don't regret actually getting married. And I stayed because I didn't think I'd be able to box without Mm -hmm. him. Like I, I felt like this is what I need to, this is what I need right now. What I was really in love with was boxing. Mm. See what I'm saying? I was really in love with boxing. So that was what kept me there. And, you know, I knew that the relationship wasn't right. That's why I was like, I'm not going to have children. So it's like when you know and I made a choice, then I'm not going to be able to blame anybody but myself, you know, because I chose. I chose to go forward with it. I chose to stay in it. But I definitely learned a whole lot about myself, about other people and what I wasn't going to do the second time, you know, so. Mm. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right. Well, so, Layla, I have to know. How did you really get into boxing, right? So, obviously, your father is the great Muhammad Ali, right? But like you said, like you weren't necessarily a daddy's girl. You know, you definitely had your own thoughts and and very in, informed feelings about who you were in the world and all of these things. But when did the download come to you like that you wanted to go into boxing and did you resist it at first or did you listen to your intuition right away? So I saw women's boxing on television for the first time when I was about 18 years old. Mm-hmm. I was at a friend's house to watch a Mike Tyson fight. And um, these women came into the ring on the undercard. Now at the time I had moved out the house. I had went to beauty school, I had a manicuring license. I had a nail studio, I had a business by the time I was 18. Yes. I've always been very ambitious. So I had a, a full clientele. I still keep that nail uh, license, by the way, I'm still a licensed manicure. Yes. Um, yes, yes. I keep, I keep that up. But yeah, so I saw these women come into the ring and I was Oh my God, I did not know when box. I didn't know that was even a possibility for me as a sport. Mm. And I immediately wanted to do it. Um, I'd always been a fighter, you know, always had this fighting spirit. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And so I went home dreaming about becoming a boxer that night and then woke up, of course, talking myself out of it. Like, and never participated in sports. I was not an athlete. I wouldn't know the first thing that it took. What was my dad going to say? What was everyone going to think? Like, this is crazy. It's not a part of my plan. I'm a planner. You know, I plan to be in school full time, have a nail salon, open a chain of, uh, you know, exclusive spas around the world. I had these dreams, right? So this did not fit into it. So I talked myself out of it, but it took me about a year of contemplation to really, you know, think about it. And it just kept calling me. So I decided Mm. to go to a boxing gym. I said, let me see if I have it because this is going to be a pretty big deal. Muhammad Ali's daughter starts fighting 
and there would be a lot of pressure on me. Um, you know, a lot of people against it, I already knew. So I have to be confident. I have to be sure. And the only way I can do that is if I go and see if I got it or not. So before I talk to anyone about it or, you know, let me go test the water. So I started training in secrecy um, mm. at in the evening after school, after work, eight o'clock at night, six days a week, I would walk into that boxing gym and train for two hours. And of course, I, my body transformed. You know, I dropped about 30 pounds um, and became, you know, and then I, I fell in love with boxing. So it took me about four months in and I was like, mm. yeah, this is what I want to do. And then my dad, it got it back around to my dad. And that's when it got real when he asked me. So about, wait, did you tell him or did he like find out through the grapevine? He found out. Oh. Um, which I knew, I knew, I know, I knew I was gonna have to tell him eventually, but I, <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't told him yet. But I had decided that I wanted to do it, um, and it got around because boxing gyms, also like anything else, are small, right? It mm-hmm. gets around. Like, okay, I remember I started sparring, which is actually boxing with someone in the ring practicing, and I sparred this guy, and I dropped him with a right hand, like dropped him down on the canvas, and that mm. got around. That got around. Like, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> So she says she wasn't trying to box. First of all, why are you sparring? Um, that's, you know, that's a sign. Like, okay, you're actually willing to get hit. You know, you can go mm-hmm. to the gym. People are like, oh, yeah, I box as a workout. But you're not actually getting hit. If you actually got step it. into that ring to get hit, then mm. people think, okay, you must want to box. So when I got in there, even though I was saying I wasn't boxing, they were like, okay, she has the heart of a fighter. If she's willing to get hit. And they've seen me get hit and drop this guy. So it got back to my dad. Um and he said to me, he came in town and he said, you know, I hear you're boxing. And I was like, yep. And again, this is one of those serious conversations where I could see this look in his eyes and I knew he wasn't going to like what I had to say. Mm-hmm. So he tried to talk me out of it. Um, you know, he used reverse psychology, of course, because he knew me. He knows Layla. You can't just say <laughs> no. So he tried to talk me out of it. And he says, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, everyone's going to be watching you. There's going to be so much pressure on you. Do you have any idea how hard it would be with all this pressure? I said, yep, dad, I thought about it. And, you know, this is what I want to do. So he's just huffing and puffing because, you know, this girl's 19. She doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, she's a kid. She doesn't have any idea what kind of pressure. So then he says, well, do you realize there's going to be a ring with lights and people yelling? And then you're going to get in there. What if you get knocked down on the canvas in front of everybody? I said, well, I'm going to get back up like you did. And he got really Mm. frustrated because his reverse psychology just kind of wasn't working. And then he finally said what was really on his mind. He told me that it wasn't for me. It's not for you. It's not for women. It's too hard. I don't want you to do it. Women should not be in that ring. And I'm against it. And I just, I, that's what I expected him to say. And I said, dad, I respect you. I respect how you feel, but I want to do it. I'm going to do it. I've already made my mind up. And, you know, you can either support me or not. It really doesn't matter um, because I'm going to do it anyway. So Mm. he didn't want to hear that. He didn't want to hear that. I mean, because number one, he had no control. Number two, he was, I'm sure, afraid. I could say this in hindsight um, for his daughter, right? Um, Because I know I wouldn't want my children. I wouldn't want my children boxing in, 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 in this grimy sport, in a men's grimy, dirty boxing gym. And he, women's boxing isn't even where it is now. And it still has a long way to go, but it wasn't in the Mm -hmm. Olympics. You didn't hear about female boxers. There was no Layla Ali, you know, Mm -hmm. for him to see. He never heard of women boxing, but he's like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. So he, he expected, I mean, he envisioned the worst. Right. So, um, but 
in my my point of view at the time was, well, it ain't my problem if you don't get it. <laughs> so mm. you better catch up. So, um, you know, I, I did it. I, I turned pro and he he supported me. He did. He came and he, he showed up and which was amazing. Um, and he did come back to me after I won my second title. And he said, I'm sorry. Mm. I was wrong. You can fight. Women can fight. And I'm proud of you. And we both just cried yeah. and hugged each other because I had told myself, I don't care what he thinks. I don't care. I'm going to do this. And, you know, my whole Layla thing, you know, and um, that's what I needed to do at the time, though, because I couldn't sit around and say the greatest of all time. Global icon and my amazing father just told me I can't do what I want to do and that I'm not going to be able to do it. It's not for me. It's not for women. And I'm going to allow that to let me doubt myself. Imagine being 19 years old, starting something absolutely new, going and doing it on my own. Most people would assume that my, someone took my hand and said, yeah. look out for my daughter. You know, give, make sure she has the best of everything, the best trainers, the best nutritionists. Make sure she's being looked out for. Nobody would have expected me to be driving downtown L.A. by myself parking in a grimy parking lot, getting in there, showing up every night, you know, doing this in the men's boxing gym. So without the support of anybody, right? Mm. Um, and I chose to do it that way, might, might I add, right? So I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that most people have a different vision, right, of what that would have been like. Um, yes. But it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> so that was the real story right there. Wow, that's the... But you know what? Like you said, I think kind of the theme of our episode is like no regrets, right? Like it happened the way it was supposed to. I think there there was something maybe about you having kind of like this solo journey in it that allowed you to own it in a way to become the champion that you are and not have it directly correlated to your father's success. I think that that's part of how you paved the road for other female boxers in the way that you have is because you have this like solo hero's journey and uh, you didn't have the the help or the backing in ways that people probably would have assumed that you would have it 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 added to a grit that you needed to be in that ring to be as successful as you've been so i don't know i just i needed to hear that because it it's a reminder that like everything in your journey you're going to use even if it feels like why do i have to be going about it this way why is it can't isn't there an easier route, <laughs> you know? But looking back, I'm sure you're able to say, like, I, I get why it had to be that way. And that's well, beautiful. yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I believe that everything happens the way that it does for a reason. And I'm the one who decided to become a boxer. I'm the one that wanted to mm -hmm. do it. And, um, you know, you can't expect everyone to sign up to um, be a part of it, right? As a parent, you definitely want to um, support your children. Like my father did support me publicly, mm -hmm. um, and he, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he'd let it be known that he wasn't happy about it, you know. Mm -hmm. But he didn't purposely say more than he had to say. But he had to be true to himself. He wasn't going to go yeah. out in public and say, "Yeah, I love this. I love this," and it was fine, you know. But I learned at a very young age, thank God, that you know, um, 
I learned, like I said, by, from watching my father, um, for him standing up for what he believed in, right? I learned that. So I was going to do the same from for myself. And I believed that I could be a good boxer. I, it was in my heart to do. I may be a girl, I'm not a boy. You know, people would have accepted it sooner, easier if I was Muhammad Ali's son. They'd be like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to come behind. But um, and I understood why people weren't comfortable with women boxing. And I, I understand now and I don't encourage anybody to box. So you don't see me trying to promote boxers. I don't I don't have any involvement in boxing. Um, but if someone really wants to do it, then I would say, OK, if you want advice, I'm going to guide you. But I don't ever say I'm trying to help these girls become boxers, you know, because I believe that if I would have had a different upbringing and the support of my parents being around, I probably would have played sports and I probably would have played tennis or I probably would have, you know, played soccer or something else that is a more organized sport that isn't quite as shady as boxing can be sometimes. And some of the mm. things that you have to deal with, because I learned through boxing that I had this competitive edge and that I was an athlete, but I didn't have what it takes to be an athlete as a child, because you have to have, um, your parents' support or someone's support to sign you up, you know, in the leagues, mm -hmm. to take you to practice, to take you to the games, to develop that. So I missed out on that. I didn't have that opportunity. That's one of the reasons why I was I became involved with Billie Jean King's organization, the Women's Sports Foundation. I'm a past president of the organization because I believe that children should play sports. They should participate in sports because of all of the qualities that you learn from sports, not necessarily to become a pro athlete. But I missed out on a lot of that. And that's why I got in some trouble growing up and my anger was redirected. And if I would have had something somewhere else to place that energy, mm. then I probably wouldn't have gone through some of the things that I had to go through to learn the lessons that I learned, you know, that I would have ended up learning anyway. But I'm saying um, I really value sports now. But boxing for me was because of the anger that I had. And you got to have something. You know, you do like yeah. I will say as a fighter, because to be able to go to that place that most people can't understand because people are like what I'm like, we all be a little special, like when special, I mean, a little crazy. Y'all be a little special to want to fight for a living. I mean, come on. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But there's got to be something there because there's going to be at some point somebody in there that wants it just as bad as you and is trying to take your head off. And where are you going to dig deep? Where Where is that place going to be? So. I wouldn't have been able to just be what some people might think. Oh, I had a silver spoon in my mouth and life's been easy and everything's mm -hmm. been handed to me because these girls are coming in there to take my head off. They're like, oh, she thinks she's cute. Oh, she's Muhammad Ali's daughter. Oh, she's getting all this attention. And I've been here um, fighting and nobody's giving me any attention. I'm going to whoop her ass. <laughs> and, I, and then I had a whole nother plan for them when they got in there and they found out. But I'm saying everybody fought me 10 times harder. You know, mm. and and but it was all that was fun to me. That was fun to me, which, like I'm saying, is why, you know, I'm a little special because I love every moment of it. <laughs> yeah, this is hearing it is stressing me out. I, my heart is racing. I'm forming a headache. I can't imagine like I you're right. It, it takes a, a certain type of person, a special person to be able to go into that ring and be like, oh, you want to fight me? I'm going to fight you 10 times harder. I would just be like, ma'am, can we just talk about this, please? Like, right. I don't want to fight right. you. Like, I don't want to. But this is what I want to know. What are the things that being a boxer has taught you about just being a woman, maybe, or how to or, or interacting with people in life. 
you know, um, I pretty much always have my game face on. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm pretty laid back. I'm pretty calm and cool and collected, for lack of a better word. And, you know, I try to stay in control of my emotions and my feelings, no matter what's going on. And that's something that I definitely mm. learned from boxing. Um, I don't lose it. I don't lose my head. I don't lose my cool ever. Um, mm. Never, ever am I like, <sighs> like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? So um, I think that is a, a superpower of mine, um, you know, because you just never know what life's going to throw at you. And I feel like what it really comes down to is I like to be in control of myself. Um, and if you allow others to come in and disrupt your energy, disrupt your day, just because something they said or did, then you're mm. not really in control, you know, of your own space. So mm. that's something that for me, you know, is really important to me. Um, so I, and, and I think it started with boxing because, you know, um, I, a part of what I did before a fight is getting people's head, you know, that's part of it. So you win the fight before you actually get into the ring. Ooh. Um, and then you kind of have to put the cherry on top. And this is me coming from my point of view, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I did. So I would, I would start the fight before the actual fight, you know? Um, and that takes having a game face on, you know? So that's where I think, I think I've carried that on, on with that's me. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. And that's giving me a little insight into the, the world of boxers. I'm like, oh, you win. You win before you even step in there. That's like a good little little insider tip. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But that's that's great. But it, I think having a level head and just being in control, I think it goes back to what we were talking about. Like the only person you can control is yourself. You can't control anybody else. You just can't. And in boxing, which is like a two-person sport, if you have control over your body, then you can make happen what you need to happen and and be less concerned, really, I guess, with what they're going to do because you know what you're going to do. And you're, and you're confident in your abilities and what your strengths are. Like, you can focus on who and have confidence in who you are. And I think that that clearly has really... Um, served you really well in life. I, I want to talk about your pivot from boxing. Like when you retired, did you really mourn it or were you like, it's time, it's time. And yeah. I'm excited for all these new opportunities on the other side. Yeah, it was time. Um, you can't box forever. And uh, I wanted to start a family. I got remarried and I was like, okay, it's time to leave the sport. There really isn't anyone left for me that I'm inspired by to continue fighting at an elite level and training at an elite level. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but it is hard because that's what I love. That's what I worked at for, for 10 years for so long. And, um, you know, it was hard to, to let it go, but I knew that I needed to, but yes, like you said, I wanted to get back to my entrepreneur, you know, being an entrepreneur and I had all these different business ideas, but I had worked so hard to be seen as a serious fighter because when I, you know, when it became public, it was all, you're too pretty. That was all it was ever. You're too pretty. Why, 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 why? And I'm like, I got so tired of hearing that. But whenever I was talking about fighting and, you know, knocking somebody out and coming in with a serious face on, you're kind of in a box now because they're like, they see you as just the fighter. So I had to build a new, re reinvent myself, basically. First, it started with just kind of what was coming to me, what made sense, which aligned with my, you know, my values and, and my personality. But then 
halfway through it, it was like, mm, but I don't feel fulfilled. And that's when I started thinking about health and wellness and the things that were really important to me, the things I was doing behind the scenes, which was writing people meal plans and detoxes and helping friends lose weight and all these different things. And that's when I started Lay Lolly Lifestyle um, and was working on that. And then I started kind of guiding the opportunities. Like I went on Chopped and competed on the Food Network and won Chopped a couple of times because I knew I was coming out with my cookbook. And then I came out with my organic spice blends. And But all of this was okay, I need to shape the way that people see me. Because otherwise it would have been like boxer cooking. Wait a minute, what? Now people forget I was even a boxer a lot of the time. Mm. I'm like, oh no, don't forget that part. You know, um, <laughs> I have, but, but I have that, I still have that. I, that's why I do have that rough edge to me though. And I'm fine with it. I don't ever try to hide it because that's who I am. That's who I've always mm. been. I've always been a fighter. I will always be a fighter. There's more than one way to fight, um, but I will always be a fighter. Um, but I'm always going to be authentically Layla. So anybody who ever meets me or anything that I do, I think that it's pretty clear I'm I'm a strong individual in terms of my personality. Some people can be intimidated by that. Um, but depending on what it is that I'm doing, you know, you might see the softer side. Like when I was hosting, oh, and I show up, hey, we're here to read, we're doing your living room today. You know, that's not the place to be, you know, too strong to intimidate people, right? So yeah. it's nice to have different versions of yourself that you can call upon when they're needed, you know? But when I'm on a stage speaking, I do a lot of, of speaking now, just corporations or whatever the case may be. If I'm speaking about transformation or if I'm speaking about reinventing yourself or a championship mindset, then I have to call back on some of those times and stand there in front of 16,000 people, many of which are men, and be giving them advice on how to be strong, right? So I feel like no matter what it is that I'm doing, I want to be a representation, not only of a Black woman, a woman, but just an, a person who, um, you know, was true to themselves and authentic, but still at the same time, go after their dreams in life, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's really what my focus is, you know, and, and trying to be an inspiration to others. Mm -hmm. Layla, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? My takeaway is just how insightful you are and um, what a beautiful person that you are. And, um, you know, I see that you're a deep thinker, you know, and you're younger than me. I'm 45. You're in your 30s. Did you say 34 35, earlier? 35. 35. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that makes me feel good that, you know, the, the younger generation coming up. I know I'm making myself sound real old right now, but I don't care. <laughs> no. But I... I concern, I, I, I get concerned about the younger generation. I think about my daughter and who her role models are going to be. Mm. So for me to have, um, you know, the opportunity to spend time with you and see that you're so full, you know, and that you're, you're giving back in this way, that it gives me hope that my daughter will have someone that she can look up to, not just you, because if it's you, then there's more of you out there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but someone that she can say was an inspiration to her. So I'm taking away from what you're giving. Oh my goodness. My takeaway is your takeaway about me. I can't <laughs> believe you said that. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Thank and you so much. look how you are. Look how oh beautiful my... you are. Look how beautiful. And, and I know you've heard that. I know you've I'm heard like that. I'm like bursting. I'm literally you... bursting from the seams. I hope that millions and millions of people have the opportunity to listen to your podcast and learn and grow from it.
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, you know, quickly, I just want to share that my takeaway is this conversation has been so special to me, but also it has been the reminder that we women, we contain multitudes. You have had so many lives, so many careers, so many all in 45 years. And it gets me excited for what my next 10 years will look like and the 10 years after that. So, um, you know, I am just so grateful that you're here. I honor you, Layla. And I cannot wait for us to meet in person and give each other a really big hug. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. This is great. We did it. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Our managing producer is Fatima Al-Swiffy. Shanice Tindall is our lead producer. Associate producer is Mona Hassan. Jordan Thompson is our marketing coordinator. This episode was mixed by Trin Lightburn. Michelle Baker is our video editor. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.